0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Provincial State of Mind. Myself, Owen Harrison, Jeff Neville and Tom Savage. This is a podcast focused on all four Irish provincial sides in both the URC and European competitions. We discuss what happened the previous weekend, what we can expect from each province in upcoming games, as well as any major off-field news. So boys, what have you been up to this week? Jeff,
1: I was on a stag and during the stag for a period of about 80 to 90 minutes, I took a chair and sat on my own facing a TV screen as I watched Munster v. Glasgow. I may as well, for that two-hour period, have not been on the stag. I was no crack. Even when people were talking to me, I was kind of like, do you know when you kind of just wave your hand or you just, just shut up, throw shut it, up, throw an answer over your shoulder without actually looking at the person? So I was quite rude there for a little while. But the, the Saturday of the tag, there was a tag rugby tournament, which was the best crack. Now, we were out the Friday night then as well, and I may have had one or two, but the tournament started at about 2 o'clock on the Sunday, and there was about maybe 10 games-ish, I suppose, in and around. Well, for the first one, I did very little. I'd say I didn't know the people on my team. I'd say they were like, this man has never played sport in his life because my head was due to explode if I did too much. But as the day warmed on, you know, uh, it got incredibly hot, which meant everyone got incredibly dehydrated. But um, it was good fun in the end, you know, started coming into it. Got to the final where in extra time, um, the stag himself joined our team and he dropped the ball over the try line So we lost the final in extra time. But I don't blame him, you know, it's okay. Uh, So if you're listening, Gish, you know, don't worry. You didn't lose it for us. You You need to get your game up. So it's team, game, team game, team game, etc. So don't worry about it. Um even though you lost it. But look, it's team game. Um but other than that, then, you know, all good. Did a bit of gardening. Um, took up the front grass, um, put down new seed, trying to stop birds eating that now. Pretty much very mundane, you know, mid thirties dad stuff.
2: Did you ever feel when you were younger that you'd be on there like when I get that grass up now? Gonna put the seed in there. Keep those bloody it, birds away from that. It now.
1: hit. It hit me over lockdown. I think more than anything. Then I got really <laughs> into the grass. and Now it's just kind of not left. Um, I feel I'm too deep. You know. Um, even a fella I haven't spoken to him in a, in a while. Like lovely fella, but he just Instagrammed me out of nowhere, and he was just like, "Can I ask you a few questions there about grass." I'm, okay, no problem. <laughs> like I didn't realize I'm not going out, but
2: yeah, you have a grass segment on this. Sure. Show. <laughs> Should I lift up my grass blade by blade, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> tweezers out. <laughs> another, another friend of mine
1: got onto me about his grass and he sent me a video. And I was like, oh, yeah, just do this. And then he said, I might just use fire. And I was like, you started this conversation. Like, not me. Like, you're the one looking for advice here. But um, yeah, no, otherwise, just very, very mundane dad stuff, I suppose. Um, just, you know, watched Moana today. For a little while very good unbelievable movie second best um soundtrack for a disney movie i think
2: we're not at that level yet when it comes to watching stuff we're still on coco melon i hate that so i hate coco melon like and this is going to go over the heads of anybody who who does not have kids but coco melon is just like it's like it's generated by an ai it's this kind of weird children's musical show that's on netflix where there's these animated babies going around the place singing songs about all this manner of stuff. One thing really annoys me about this show, right? They keep rhyming you with ooh and I can't stand it. Like they go, yay, yay, yay. I like it. Ooh. can't I know up with Come up with a different, but like they use it for so many different songs. It's like, a bit more imagination, please. My daughter is watching. Do not do not, kind of throw in, oh, don't rhyme you with ooh or like now or with wow. No. At the same time, Wait that baby's
1: vocab is extremely extensive.
2: Oh, true. Great balance as well. Yeah, never see that yeah. baby falling over.
1: No, 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 no. Babies fall injuries. over all the time. No. Never never bangs his head. You're kind of like, well, this isn't real life. The fact you, know, that you, know, an you know what I Cartoon generated fucking joke. you know what I don't,
2: like, What's also weird about Cocomelon? is that the children's heads are about four times the size of the adult's heads. <laughs> and it's like, how's that working?
1: <laughs> and yet and yet, no falling, perfect balance.
2: No, no falling, right? So there, there's something unusual going on there. Like, how are these babies born? Like what's going on here? Like that child, like is it, they never, like you never see it, where they're picking up the child or rarely see it because like the adult's head is like the size of an orange. And the fucking baby said it's of a melon, <laughs> a watermelon. Is like, this is not. Uh, why am I watching this? <laughs> but I find myself zoning out watching it too. It's like herself was just like Are you enjoying that, and I was just like, what? I'd just been kind of staring at it. So like, the Lenny was staring at it, and I also was staring at it. So it's like there's something going on with this show. It's like the taking the, to the progress
0: onto things like Bing or Bluey.
2: They're, they're more oh, so getting on to Bluey. Probably, I'm looking forward to that stage. I watched of oh, one,
1: episode, oh. one episode of Bears or not Bear in the Blue House Blue's Clues. Is it? Oh, Bluey, the Bluey, is no, Bluey the thing? The,
0: is Bear? the
1: uh, Australian one with the dogs. Oh, no, sorry. I watched one episode of <laughs> Blue's Clues and it irked the living Jesus out of me because you're like the thing would be like on his head and he, you know, he'd go 10 times, Where is it? Wait, and you're like, oh come on, man, <laughs> come on, <laughs> like oh come on, <laughs> come on. I know I'm not too, but like come on. <laughs> like, how was your weekend on?
0: Very very boring. Did very very little. Um, like I said, did a bit in the garden. Um, had a barbecue, watched the match. That's about it. Living the suburban boring life sounds like the dream, though, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. Boring. I've realized, boring is grand. Boring is boring. Isn't it? Boring is vice. Yeah, it's fine with boring. Like boring, just... boring is
0: working on your butt groove in, in the couch on a Saturday afternoon. That, yeah, I
2: can. Or having boring thoughts. Like, I wonder should I cover up the coal outside there. Or
1: oh, I put the pot on the wrong hob. I hate that hob.
2: Having a favorite hob. Yeah. Having a favorite pot. Yeah. Very oh, boring. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Very boring, or getting like a new spatula and being like, I can't wait to use that now in a while. And then I like, actually did get and it, like, a new brush, like, I used it. <laughs> did you tell anyone you used it afterwards? Were you like, I used that new, geez, it was good. And they were like, Oh, was it brilliant? And you're like, There's
2: two of yeah, us in this. Two of us <laughs> in this now. Now, we're, now. We're both boring. Like the other day, like I found myself Googling stainless steel frying pan. I'm, I'm in the market for one of them. I, I actually had yeah. to stop myself kind of going. Why am I reading now about how to get us, how to make this work, how to make a stainless seal? You got to heat it first. You see, you got to preheat it. You see, you've got to have the water on it. So it's evaporating. It's like, why am I looking at this shit? Like, why? Why?
1: We're getting old.
2: Getting fucking Welcome to old. Mid-
0: middle-aged white man podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: There
2: were around 4 million of them. We're 4 million and 1. <laughs> We talk about rugby too. So yeah. there's around that's, four hundred there's, there's around four hundred thousand of those. <laughs> <laughs> At least we didn't call this show the breakdown. Yeah. Or the you know, the, to rug, do the rugby word. You know? Like the rugby word podcast. Like the rolling mall. That'd be one that you could see use for a podcast very easily.
1: Are we just gonna throw out names until we name a podcast and suddenly have
2: them? It'll pop up one of our the...
1: podcasts, even though we've nothing against other podcasts.
2: The Roll Away podcast. 5022. The
1: 5022 podcast. That sounds good, though.
2: That's actually not too bad.
1: Yeah, we could do 50 minutes of shit chat, 22 minutes of rugby. Rubbish. And that's it. That would be. <laughs> no, then, then we listening. get to throw Sorry, it in again. Sorry, lads. <laughs> I have to go. I'm off to start a podcast. <laughs> <The> 5022
0: podcast. <laughs> you see it tomorrow. It's not me, all right? I swear. <laughs> All oh, right, would better get on with this and actually talk about some of week because we do have a, a busy show this evening. Um, so we'll start. I
2: guess we're going to we're gonna have to behave. We've a guest uh, later on, behave. yeah. Our very,
1: our very first
0: guest. Yeah. Yeah. Big day for the podcast.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I bet people are a little bit surprised. It's, it's not me right. doing my. It's not me doing my French accent. It's not Count Dracula. <laughs> <Yes>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's an actual, real life different person. Although he is
2: also bald.
0: He's just going to come on and go,
3: one,
0: ah, ah, ah. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> uh, right, we'll get on to the rugby. We'll um, start with the first game from last weekend in the URC quarterfinals. Ulster 10, Connacht 15. Um, very entertaining game.
2: Only um, I believed.
1: Yeah, yes. That's Only that's I believed fair. in Connacht.
0: Yes. You got that right, to be fair. Um,
1: <laughs> what time I got
0: one. <laughs> Um. really I thought tactically it was a really interesting game I thought the way um, Ulster almost went into their shell a bit in terms of the way they were playing they, they they continued as as we talked about and expected of them a bit last week was play continuing to play narrow off nine, and I think Connacht matched them physically with that and were willing to sit on the game line and take those tackles and i think they did it really well but where i thought the difference was was the way when ulster went beyond that sort of one out the way connacht were able to get in and jackal on it But like sort of um hurley langton would i had an outstanding man of the match some game he had both sides of the ball he was excellent there was a couple of jackals
1: um that before any ulster fans are listening who were like you know well pointing at the referee, I fully agree that there were a couple of jackals that should have been an Ulster penalty. And I know that because I've looked at them. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, everyone's human and it's not just the referee. There's the AORs, there's TMO, etc. You know, there's a whole team of people involved here. But just the way you, you mentioned when they when they hit that more than one pass out, like Connacht were happy just to wait. There was, there was one turnover where Hurley Langton was literally just, it was... Um, Connock kicked deep and Ulster ran it back. And you can see him just behind the defensive line, just trotting across, just waiting to see where the tackle's made. And as soon as that tackle was made, he was straight in. Connor Oliver did it as well for a uh, Tiernan Halloran tackle. He just covered across and in behind him, let him make the tackle straight in over. Um, Mac Hansen's one, again, it was kind of hitting towards touchline and people just poured across and were happy to enter that. Like they, all, like all Connock really had to do in that game and I mean this in the best way possible in a, in a comic sense, because they did it so well was square up number up front up, make the first tackle and essentially just keep going in defense. Like a a kind of bit like the Munster game, I suppose in terms of, in terms of defense, just like not getting it was, it was on access Munster. I don't know if you saw it, but Dennis Leamy was talking about it and he was like at halftime, he was like, don't get bored of it now. Just don't tap out. Don't get bored of it. And it was a bit like that in the comic game. Like, I suppose the temptation to, to do something different is there. A bit like, I suppose, South Africa-Wales uh, in that last World Cup, if you remember mm-hmm. that um that game, where they just kicked at each other for what felt like 10 years. It it was a bit like that. Just don't get bored of it. Keep going. It's working. Square up, number up. And ultimately, like if you look at Connacht, or if you look at Ulster, I mean, they had a line-out 78-odd minutes gone. They went 21 phases. 19 of them were just a pass-off nine. One was a pick-and-go, one was a tips line, and that was it. That's all they did for the last two minutes. And it was kind of like, did they go into their shells? Did they feel like, I don't know, they were going to get over? But what was strange for me is the, I suppose, the game plan there in the last two minutes, they didn't run over Connacht for 78, 79 minutes. And then suddenly they're like, well, we're going to do it now. And you're kind of like, well, that's not what's needed. It's not worked so far. Like, they've, they've, damaged, they've got nine jackal penalties, or well, eight up to that point, jackal penalties annually, or turnovers. What makes you think it's suddenly going to work? I don't know. I just found it very, very strange, to be honest, the way they finished out that game.
0: Well, I think I, the I, other I, thing is the Connacht's Connacht, uh, Maldi was excellent. They, they took Ulster out of it. <laughs> and I think that was always the big question for Ulster. If you stop their mall, what else do they currently have? And I think the answer there is not an awful lot.
1: But, like, like we, we, we said before that that Ulster play heavy off nine. Like, everyone knows they play heavy off nine. I just didn't think they'd play that heavy off nine with that long left in the game. Like,
2: they didn't play anything. I think it's them kind of, to a certain extent, going into their shell, like you said. But, like, they can't just start playing differently in a quarterfinal, you know? Like, this is kind of the way they've been playing all season long. And the second Connacht started getting breakdown penalties and stopping them all. Ulster were in huge trouble because if they're not able to build a platform and roll across the defense off nine, it's very difficult for Billy Burns or their halfbacks to engineer anything because they're not really that type of team. Like they hang on to the ball a lot, but a lot of it is fairly safe carries. If they're not even safe and then you're talking about the the one or, you know, the maybe you pass off 10, you hit 10, go a bit deeper. That's in danger then. Like they've got nowhere to go if like, if their malls not getting ground. It's difficult for that Ulster team to beat anybody because their attacking systems aren't that. They're not just that. They're not that sophisticated. So, Connacht were able to kick long to them as Connacht do. It's a similar enough game plan to Leinster actually. They kick long. They meet you on the transition D gain line, and if they start threatening that breakdown there, like like you said, they're Hurley Langton had a fantastic game, scandalously not Irish qualified, bizarrely, like if felt like you know Seamus O'Shaughnessy and it's just like oh you're Irish right? It's just like no. Never been there. What's Ireland? Never heard of it. But yeah, like just the, the way that they were playing when Ulster the basically the question was put to Ulster, you need to put together now more complex phases of play and you need to play off like with your mall out of the game, what do you have. Very little. They had very little when it came to it. The and side, they seem to have regressed in that regard.
1: The other side of the coin as well, it's something that Owen mentioned a lot uh, earlier or maybe mid season. Um, but a couple of months ago, was the penalty count. They had more penalties than any game they've played since September 2011. So they conceded 18 penalties Jesus. in that game. Like, kind of kicked five of them to win. So, like, I mean, something, I suppose, that own flagged a couple of months ago in terms of discipline. This was back when they were getting cards a lot. You remember they went through that run of cards. Like, Owen flagged it that, like, all these penalties were going to eventually cost them. Well,
2: here we are. Like yeah, I, well, I, I, I wanted to ask you by the way. where well, how many years into McFarland's you know, tenure are we now? for five years? Is this his fourth or his fifth um, season? I think I'll it was go- 2018 I'll Google it, there, I'll Google it there quickly. I'm just like, but it's it's a fairly extensive period of time he's had now where we can say that we're fairly well into the project that, that he's putting together. Do you think the finish to this season? you know, finishing, you know, the way Europe went and then the way it went for them in the the playoffs here. Does that kind of, what does that say about the, the project that's going on at Ulster at the moment? Do they need a bit of a kind of blow it up and start again to a certain extent?
1: Someone asked me, like, do, how do I define Ulster's season? And ultimately I said, off the pitch, a success in terms of their business, their signings, retention on the pitch. Like, you can't. Call that a success, and I, I am. Um,
0: I compared <coughs> it,
1: I suppose. Sorry, I, I I compared it to Munster and Connacht, and like you look at Munster, first year of a whole rebuild, Europe next year, knockouts the URC into the semi-final. Um, yeah, it didn't win in Europe, but like neither did Ulster. Ulster would have had a home semi-final, fought to the end to get that. Lost in a game where they didn't really fire a shot. Like, it's kind of hard to call this season on the pitch for Ulster's success given, I suppose, the expectations we saw at the start of the season.
2: Given that they were a kick of the ball away from a final last year. Yeah. You know, you kind of look I, at it and go, it's all relative to, to your expectation, like your definition of failure is like, well, oh yeah, all and, the and, expectations, and, and, you know. And
1: don't get me wrong, they finished second in the regular season. I get that. And that's not an easy thing to do, like, but... It's the context of the season as a whole. You look at the Europe run, you look at those couple of URC losses, et cetera, that came in and around uh, both sides of that. It's just kind of, yeah, they came out of the rut, et cetera. But I mean, it looked like they were peaking again and here we are. It's just hard I to call for, it a success.
0: I think off the field, I wouldn't even call it a success myself because I think they they, they screwed up over the and lost a lot of it, a lot of money over the, the home game in Raven Hill. I think that's that has to come down as an off field mess. I think also you look where the squad is going for next season. I think they've doubled down on a way of playing. I think they have but they have holes in their squad. I think when you look at next season they ha- they only have two tight heads on the book. I think it is for next season um with Tom O'Toole and Marty Moore. Marty Moore has played so little rugby this season. They're they're going to have to put something in it. They're trimming down the squad in terms of depth. Now the way McFarland has played, players you look at the likes of Billy Burns. I mean, like, why they have a second and third choice ten in in within the squad is you know is that a waste of money? The so way Ian, he, Ian, he's Ian chosen, Madigan,
1: Ian Madigan played twelve for
0: Ulster A last weekend. Yeah, like, and but that's where you're going. I also think Ulster are in a situation where I saw Munster within maybe during Razzie's tenure in that, and certainly under Johan, I think Ulster are in a situation where they are good enough to win 80 to 90% of their games regular season. But when they come up against the bigger, better teams at the business end of the season, they are not going to win silverware because of the way they play. They are trying to take on the big boys at the big boys game. And that is very hard to do unless you have a gargantuan pack generally made from homemade forwards. And I don't think they have that. They're trying to supplement it with off and Ewers coming in next season. They're going to need the likes of Harry Sheridan to step up, McCann, lots of others in there um, to go with it. And I'm I'm not sure that they have the players... To win playing that against the likes of, say, in Europe, are you going to beat the likes of a Toulouse or La Rochelle, certainly Leinster, at the business end of the season? It's going I to be interesting see to see how
1: they go at the start of the season too, because they're getting rid of, what, about 10 players in their own? They're only getting maybe two in? Two in yeah, like, they're
2: cutting a lot of depth. And like,
1: then you have World Cup as well, fellas getting called up, like who's going to play when, et cetera, rest, all that jazz. I think the start of the season, they're going to be a bit tight.
2: Has Ian Henderson's contract been sorted? I don't no, think so.
0: No, Nothing announced, anyway.
2: That's a weird one. It's May, like <laughs> yeah, and it's Ian so Henderson. No. Yeah.
0: Well, now that depends whether it's it's IRFU or whether it's Ulster, because Ulster have always announced their contracts very, very early. And Henderson was on central the deal. He was on central.
2: Well, I think he, maybe he still is, but yeah. it's weird. It hasn't been announced.
0: There was the. The sort of the paper news about him sort of having offers from Japan and stuff like that, but there's been nothing spoken about since on that.
2: So but Connacht. either way, fabulous win for Connacht. Connacht, yeah. Fabulous win. You look at the, the way that they approached that game, really brave, I felt, to go off-ball against Ulster. They had a plan. They executed it. Players playing very well. Um, they just felt that it was a really, not complete performance from them, but they fronted up big time. And
1: Prendergast looked absolutely
0: destroyed coming off after mm. an hour. Destroyed, like, like, I, I thought. Um, what you call it? Jack Carty's post-match interview was very good. Um, he he fronted up and said, you know, the backs nearly lost that for Connacht, and thankfully the forwards came back and won it. And I think that sort of matches what happened on the pitch in terms of the the game line collisions. Both sides of the ball i think um the jackal threat that we saw um and also the the sort of the set piece because conant were solid in that set piece they weren't really under that much pressure the scrum was more or less 50 50. line out they they got up they stole the, the occasional ball they stopped them all they stood um and particularly their goal line defense really really stood up well um and while they didn't maybe necessarily play their best attacking rugby. I don't think I've seen a defensive performance as complete as that from connaught this season, I would we'll
2: say. Yeah, no, it was very, very good. And like like they would have to roll the dice like on their breakdown work. Like they would have had to get a return there. And like as you said there earlier, Jeff, some of those were penalties the other way. But you try and roll your dice and if it comes up your way You win. And I think that's sometimes the the X factor in this game where sometimes you get the decisions and you win. Sometimes you don't and you lose. I think that's the game really, isn't it? Did you see Matt Hansen's head? I did. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. That was insane.
1: Like, not in a good way. I'm not saying it was unreal. Like It was absolutely one of the worst
0: things I've seen in a while. The only time I've seen a cut like that was... Jeez, who was man? This is going back years ago. Um, well, a Scottish guy who used to play for Connacht. Peter. No, Peter was it? Peter Grant, back rower. He got he got he got his um what you call leg sliced open with one of the predator blades. Ugh. Ugh. Back when back when you could rock, when you could actually rock on legs, and someone put a, a predator blade across it, and uh, spit it. I haven't seen anything that deep or ugly for a long, long while. It was absolutely disgusting.
1: I saw that Sunday morning or Saturday morning. No. S- yes. Yeah, Saturday morning. Could have done without seeing it. Now, to be honest with you, it was rank. But, um, was, is it, is it just me? I don't know. Is it just me? Is it not a bit mad that he was allowed to play on?
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's mad. Yeah. A bit mad. It's like, like it wasn't like yeah.
1: a little cut that didn't stop bleeding. Like, this was oh, massive. About
0: three-inch three, three inch cut, three, four-inch cut. On your forehead, like.
2: Yeah.
0: Look, stitch it up and away you
2: go. this, <laughs> like, I didn't need that blood anyway. It was smiling. holding me back.
0: I'm actually getting
1: queasy. <laughs> who, who made me bleed my own blood. <laughs> Look how much lighter he was without all that blood, I suppose.
2: I'm faster, I'm leaner, I'm fitter without all that blood.
0: Who needs it? Right, moving on then to the Leinster uh, Sharks game. Leinster won thirty-five to five. I think it was a rather expected game. Um, but again, we talked about this last week. You have to keep fifteen players on the pitch against Leinster. You cannot afford to concede a card. Um, I think it was twenty-eight points they scored again this week with yeah. cards. Now that's including the, the first one where um what you it? Um, it be, got a um pimpy got the yellow in the active scoring. Um when they were scoring. Um like twenty eight points. So you take that away, it's seven five when it's fifteen against fifteen.
2: But well, like <laughs> I still think that the Sharks are a better team than what they showed in this game, but it's very hard to do it when you're conceding tries the minute you lose a player. Like it was a routine win for Leinster in the end really like more than routine they were in trouble in the scrum I will say but I think a
1: yeah. lot of teams would be in trouble in that scrum against that Sharks team though. yeah sure most of them were in big
2: trouble against that yeah. against that Sharks scrum as well but like it feels like the Sharks like if they're not absolutely pumping you up front in the forwards they don't really have much else and I guess Leinster that won't that won't cut it a lot.
0: Well, I mean, we we'll, we'll go back to the thing of like, for me, the Sharks are, they have so much firepower up front. They have no direction from halfback. And I know they were missing uh, Kerwin Bosch for this as well, but like, they have no direction from their halfbacks. And even in terms of their backline play, it doesn't seem an awful lot apart from sort of get it to someone and see if he can burst a hole open.
2: Can you keep us on defense?
0: Yeah, do something spectacular. I'm gonna give you can the ball you do, something do something. First.
2: Yeah. Do something spectacular there. Off you go now, man. See
0: how
1: you
2: go out. Do it first, Lacano. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can see the ghost, the coach trying to get trying to ride him up before the game. Scores a try. Do
1: you ever see or it'd be like do you remember when you were under eight and it was like, right, we're gonna get the ball to him, like the biggest kid, and he's gonna run through. He's gonna run through him.
2: Imagine in the room be beforehand.
1: We're gonna get the ball to Locano. And yeah. after and that
2: Canio, you know he, you know what to do
1: he's going to get off the ground if he gets tackled and then we're going to get the
2: ball to him again <laughs> so be sure so you get pretty, pretty
0: much the gavin coombs inside five yards playbook yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> except when, when, it's the whole field
2: when you get tackled Lucanio, you need to get up very quickly because we need to pass that ball to you again so very quickly you will get up and it's like yeah okay good they have nothing else like they wait. They do. might they might kick it high for Pimpy to chase. Yeah. They might also do that. But it's weird. It's I, like all these resources up front, and it feels that they don't really know how to utilize it properly. It's like it's a shame in one sense. Now, to be fair, they were missing Khaleesi, Etzebeth, and you know uh, Bota. But like,
1: but they went into the game knowing they were missing them. You know oh, I, mean? I know it's, but it's, like...
2: Like, but it's a bit like Ulster you can't all of a sudden decide you're going to become you know, we're going to have okay now we're going to actually be really good at attack lads you've been <laughs> holding this all back
0: saving the moves
2: <laughs> there we go <laughs> cool that's all I needed to hear um, but yeah no it just feels that they were well below some of their parts um, but ultimately they had nothing for Leinster who are just they're a bit like you know one of those stick of, you know those sticks of rock that you used to have long ago. They probably don't exist now anymore. Yeah. But you cut down through them, and it's the same all the way down. That's the thing with with Leinster. Everybody knows their role, and they know the role of the fella in the same unit as them. So everything works so smoothly because it's so it's so it's built there for so long. The foundations go so deep, like the stuff with Lancaster has been there since when twenty seventeen. 2016, 2017? sixteen, twenty seventeen. They've been building on that since then. There was season graph. after season after season. There
1: was a graph on Twitter there. I can't remember who put it up, but someone shared it, and it just showed uh, Leinster's points scored since like maybe two thousand or something like that. Saw that same and thing, yeah. Spike in the graph after Lancaster comes over is proper startling. You're just kind of like, like it's not like, you know, you look for it and you're like, oh yeah, I can see it rises a bit. Like it's literally like boom up it goes.
2: Just The perfect system coach that there is in the game. I don't think there's anybody better in an incredibly good system. Just perfect. Everybody knows exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Like, they don't even need to play, I would say, all that well or fantastically to, you know, to play to 100% of their ability to beat a team like the Sharks because their system and the players in it are so in sync and they're so... Because, like again, it's a good system, first of all. It works because there's good players there. So everything kind of is built into... Like, there's no area where Leinster are a basket case. <laughs> really, when you think about it.
1: It was good to see Joe McCarthy come back. Yes. It was good to see him come back on the pitch. Um It'll be interesting now to see next week if he's in the 23 again. Or... yeah. Because, like, I mean, the way he was building before his injury, he probably would have been there, like...
2: In the 23, I would say. Yeah, Yeah.
1: do you know what I mean? So, like, it'll be interesting to see now, like, if he's... Although,
2: there's some tough decisions to make there as well. Oh, huge. Like, if if you're a Leo Cullen this week... Ten. What do you do? Like, I'd say whatever. Unless Leinster put out, like, fucking Leo the Lion and the Old Belvedere Under-12s, I think, in that situation, Munster would be favourites. But, I think in most other scenarios that are likely here, Leinster will be raging hot favourites for this. So oh, how deep into the team do you go? How much do you want to risk to win this game, given what's coming up next week?
1: Do you see them doing the same they did for the Sharks? Let's say instead of Milner starting, it'll be Porter, but instead of Furlong starting, it might be al Toa, Instead of Sheehan, Kelleher. Do you know that kind of way? Mm-hmm. Just revolve, like still, still names, like still big, but just revolving rotating uh, not revolving <laughs> i think there Led will be system. some <laughs> just <less> twirling around <laughs> 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 sorry
0: sorry sorry <laughs> i think there will go with some level of rotation on it um they'll bring in i'd imagine like you'll see kelleher involved in the 23 to try and get him some game time um ahead of the the champions cup i i imagine they won't risk anyone that they see as a certain starter for the, for the
2: plus, Champions Cup. We've, sorry to jump in there, on We've spoken before on here about Leinster's game winners, other guys that they have, that they select when they really want to win a game. And there's a certain number of them that they have. Porter, Sheehan, Kelleher was in that bracket to all his injuries. Ryan, Doris, Vanderfleer, Gibson Park, Sexton, Henshaw, Ringrose, Keenan, Lowe. How many of those guys do they select here?
0: Max of about three.
2: I was thinking that it'd be, they might chance four or five.
0: I I think they're not, I don't think they're going with Furlong. Whether they put Porter on the bench. Porter's
2: think, a could, big risk to put on in this game. I think, think he'd be in the 22. I think he, he might
0: will. be, I think with Healy's injury, that, that might make them consider putting him in there. I think they'll probably rest Sheen and give Kelleher either a starter off the bench. Uh, I don't think they go with Ryan.
2: I think because of Healy's Healy's injury, I think they're more likely to not select Porter for this. Because if Healy is out, out, they'll need Porter to do 70-plus minutes next week against La Rochelle. And if Porter were to pick up a knock in this game, it's a disaster. Hmm. For the final, a disaster. So I think that with Healy, they're more 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 likely to not see Porter. I could well be wrong, but I don't know. I think that that fifth star is such a big deal. That's. I think they're <sighs> going to go gung ho for that for the fifth star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, imagine oh, losing. I mean. Imagine losing like Gary Ringrose or, you know, like. would you still, Kaelin. You still have to play the game. Oh, you do, I but mean, like, it's... imagine if you lose like a Cale and Doris in this game, for next for the game coming the week after.
0: Yeah. Well, put it to you this way: imagine you had you had you ended up with Munster's injury list. You you had you, you got three or four HIA's, a couple of injuries, and suddenly all of a sudden you know, final's
2: gone. Yeah. Like best chance you'll ever have of winning, like a home final. That like I mean, that, like they are the risks, and I think that's the calculations that they'll have to take in. To this game, given how desperate Monster will be for this game, uh, that, that's the interesting thing. I feel, how do you manage that? I know Leinster are favourites regardless. I would say, but that's the really interesting facet of the next game. How do you manage that?
0: Yeah, I think that's that's going to be crucial for them. I think the I don't, I don't see them risking Ross Byrne either. I think I don't think he features. I think you go, you go probably with Harry Byrne and then maybe. Sam Prendergast or someone like that off the bench. I think Harry. Byrne, or maybe or Frawley maybe 10. Frawley. Frawley at ten for Leicester. Nah. Are, Are, Are you fishing
2: Come on. Are you
1: fishing? He's definitely. Fishing. I'm, I'm thinking
0: more co- cover off the bench. I think um, I think, I, I think, you,
1: think Ross Burn will start. Do
0: you?
1: This, I, yeah. Or not Ross Byrne Sorry, the other one, Harry Burn. Harry Burn. Um, I think. <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah. No. Um. I think Harry Byrne will start.
2: Yeah. That'll be uh, an interesting one as well. I just think it's very like from from an answer perspective, there's like they've picked up a few injuries throughout the season. It's just in, like because did you hear James Ryan supposedly in a moon boot?
0: He was back training this week no?
1: Yeah. Was he? He's been he's Cullum been training
2: he normally was... this. Colin wasn't worried about it at all, I don't think. What a weird thing to have. Like <laughs> why are you wearing a moon boot like it's a fashion statement. It totally is, yeah. Maybe he it's lost a, it's one a... maybe he lost one shoe, but really
1: liked those shoes. It's a Blenciaga
2: to... moon boot, actually. I'll have you know.
1: You know? Maybe he had two moon boots, but last one, maybe it's the moon boots he wanted to wear. You just don't know these things.
2: They're just comfortable. I just (laughs) like them.
1: (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting one now. Yeah, I suppose we'll preview the game. Let's talk about the the, the
2: main event. The main event. The monster game.
1: Was that the main event? You're damn
2: it's right. It the was the main event. Yes, it is, one hundred percent. Where were you? Where you you were watching this game in a pub? Me? Yeah. No, it was
1: in a house. Oh, like I was that antisocial person in a house, like in the sitting room of a house. In a pub, it's easy. You could just go to the other side of the pub, pretend
2: you were in a different
1: group for a little I was, while. I was locked, lads. I, I was literally on my own in the corner of the room. I was so, in a
2: hotel room in Middleton with the sound down with my daughter asleep in the crib next to me and I'm just there. Yeah trying not to make any noise.
1: Yeah. I was counting down the minutes from about from about fifty minutes I was proper or about yeah. forty odd minutes I was proper like, okay, thirty odd to go. Okay. Ter- less than thirty to go. Okay, twenty eight to go. Now twenty six to go. It was would it,
2: nice. Would, would it be weird to say that Munster didn't play that well here in general, but the defense and the mall defense was fucking superb. Defense won the game. I, yeah. I think
0: this was, the, the, this was one of the best tactical defensive displays I've, I've seen. The way Munster addressed the first quarter, where they literally played Glasgow in the right areas of the pitch and absolutely took them, as I'll use Tom's uh, terminology here, they played them completely off-ball. They actually played them in a way that almost gave them the ball in the wrong areas of the pitch, forced them to play and take the ball, use up as much energy as they could. Munster met them with the physicality and literally just stopped them. And then when when it got out and you were sort of thinking, okay, Munster are on the ropes here, and then suddenly you get a big turnover from Fekitoa, and then you're you're back in. Munster took their chances. Biggest question, I think, and certainly inside that first 20 minutes or first half, was Glasgow still thought that they were playing in the normal league and yeah. continually kicked the corners. Why not rather take the points? Thinking, cup rugby, take the points. But that's been the way they've played all season. Oh, but
1: it's, it's different, like, though. It's it's it, yeah, it has to be, and that's literally you. You took the words out of my mouth. Like the first twenty minutes, like go back and watch that first twenty minutes again. I still don't understand how it was nil all. I full on how it was not three nil, maybe six nil, even a try. I mean, Munster scrambled really well on two occasions in the opening twenty to to stop a try. Like I don't understand how Munster weren't behind, even if it was by three points. And there was one situation I think where did. Glasgow go, I'd opt not for the points, let's say, on at least two, if not three occasions and, like, not so far off each other and you're just kind of like, like, I understand you want to try and even on the second occasion, you're like, okay, I understand you opted for the line out last time but just take the points, like, you're working your hole off here, just take the points, get the ball back, go back down the pitch. I just I couldn't understand it and then Munster's defence, you mentioned the line speed there. The line speed was unbelievable and well, there was there was a couple of things, I suppose. In their own 22, getting double shots in all the time, which was just buying time. But that line speed, especially in the middle of the pitch, it did two things. First off, Glasgow had no real answer for it, and they just ended up box kicking it back. And you're box kicking it back to Mike Haley, who's just thinking to himself, I'll do this all day, like, no problem. And then the second side of the coin was, because of that line speed, like, Glasgow played so incredibly deep. And... It just allowed Munster to make yards. Like there was one occasion of two phases. I'd say Munster made 20 yards. And you're just thinking that's because of line speed. And as a result of the line speed, Glasgow have to play so deep in order to try and get around it. Now that Fekatoa try there on 22 minutes or 21 minutes, whatever it was, like that is a result of line speed. Like he waited, he waited, he waited. As soon as he saw that pass going, shadow, smashed the man. Big turnover, and two minutes later of solid possession, Munster score, and it's Feketeau who scored. But, like, yeah, it was good transition play and everything, really good, you know, keeping that possession to make sure that they they came away with something. But, like, I mean, it was 20-odd minutes solid of non-stop defending. And then Munster's line speed created that try. Like, Munster's defense created that try. Yeah, the attack scored it, and I get that, like, but it was a result of a glasgow choosing well we're not going to take points here we're just going to keep we're just going to keep banging the door and hope something happens and then Munster's defense just comes up trumps with an unbelievable turnover and then just go on to score the try but yeah i like watching back that that opening 20 odd have no idea how no idea how Munster weren't behind like
2: that monster's defensive breakdown was the key in this game um I think what some teams do against Glasgow, and it's a mistake, is to let them have their rocks because Glasgow don't win a whole load of collisions or get over the game line all that much. Um, but they don't need to. They play off incredibly quick ball. I think it's like 2.8 seconds on average over the season. With that, they're able to tear te- teams up with their just relentless phase pressure. Blocking lines, they've got really good blocking runners. What Munster did here was really did well to slow down their breakdown, which meant that they were never picking off defenders that were moving sideways. They were always dealing with defenders who were coming straight at them with that line speed you were talking about. And it made it very difficult for Glasgow to play. There was 43 minutes of ball and play time in this game, which is massive. That's very, very high. And that's up there with Ireland versus France in the Six Nations game just gone. And like Munster were encouraging that. Like when we box kicked that went, they kept, we kept it in field and said, okay, go at it again. We know what your attack patterns are. We know what your framework is. We we're going to stop you. And look, didn't stop Glasgow completely. They got out, outside us a couple of times and um, caused us a bit of stress. We had to scramble well, but as a defensive performance, that's up there with some of, of the best I've seen this season um, attack wise, Left lots and points in the table, I think, but with that defense, very impressive. And I think that's you know, from attack wise, I think composure is the biggest thing. Just keeping composure in those big moments to execute and finish off the game. At the end of the first half, I thought we lost our composure, um, and that made the second half quite difficult. Where we just seemed to panic, get a little bit of white line fever, and um, that's the we have to get that out of the game, out of this group, but. Look, can't fault the performance, but I think Munster can play way, way better than that. But to win against a very good Glasgow team, I think is very impressive. Some fucking load of injuries
0: though. Yeah, well, that's it. Just, just before we move on to the injuries, like, the one thing I want to say is we're talking about such, and this is where stats, and you have to understand what the stats are telling you. One, we've talked about how good Munster's defense was. Munster had 36 missed tackles in that game but if you look at what they were doing it it was the blitz up on the outside to bring the glasgow player back into where the Munster defenders were and force them glasgow couldn't get around the edge and that to me that was one of the biggest biggest things they won the collisions they put glasgow in the situation where in the positions where monster were were willing and able to deal with them and then glasgow couldn't rotate their carriers their heavy carriers quick enough to get back and go into the line again and I think that will be a bit of a fear I'd have for next week for Munster, is that I think they've lost some of, now with the the injuries that they've got, they've lost some of their big ball carriers and some of the heft that they have. And that when, if Leinster do a similar thing defensively to Munster, Munster don't have the big ball carriers to deal with that. That's Um, the risk. that is like you look. You look at who like they're they're missing like for for next week. Like first of all, well, you look at that red card. That was one of the cheapest shots I think we've I've seen.
2: Dirty from, dirty shots. Dirty. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think like one of one of the other things. If um if I'm right on this, there was f- there was four hias in this game. Two injuries, and two, and two injuries. But if you look, at four hias on monster players, and I think within the first half wasn't it? or oh, no sorry. No, there was three within the first half and one, one in the second half. And then I think it was last week in the semifinals against the Scarlets. Was it the Scarlets had two or three HIAs in that I as well? it was three, wasn't it? Yeah. Three HIAs in that. So that's seven HIAs against the same team in two games. Well, I
1: think we're going to come back and uh, preview next, next week's game in a minute because, or next week's games, I should say, because we have our first guest ever of the show uh, about to come on. And uh, for those of you listening will probably know that we never actually have um, guests on. This is a first time ever. So Owen, would you like to do the introductions there?
0: Yeah, we'd like to welcome Mr. Adam Redmond from the URC to the uh,
3: Provincial State of Mind podcast. Welcome, Adam. Hey, lads, how you doing?
0: Not so
1: bad.
3: How was your weekend? uh yeah it was good it was good Uh quarter final weekend is uh is always busy uh and it's um it's great to have moved on from just having semi finals and i think the uh the Ulster Connacht game really set a tone on the friday night for everyone else to try and live up to so uh yeah it was good storylines and uh roll on into this weekend now
1: and it's, it's it's actually great like when you think about it if it was just semi finals we wouldn't have had that Ulster Connacht game and you wouldn't have had that drama of let's say the Stormers losing home semi-final advantage to Ulster, but then gaining it back suddenly by kind of beating. You wouldn't have that storyline if it was yeah. just top four.
3: Yeah, it's it's you know it's it, it's the sub everything underneath Leinster has been all these subplots uh, this season, which has been uh, been really intriguing. And that back and forth between between Ulster and Stormers is great because you know people turn around and they'll say. um, so, oh, but there's no rivalries, you know, it's just the derbies and all this sort of stuff. Well, in 18 months, Ulster and Stormers have built up a pretty healthy rivalry. Um, and, uh, we all thought we were going to get a replay in the semi final and fair play to Andy Friend and Connacht because they found a few tricks to short circuit Ulster and, uh, and create a brand new storyline for, uh, what I've told my colleagues, we've missed a branding trick this weekend. It's Connacht Stormers is actually the great Atlantic derby. Because there are only two uh, clubs on the Atlantic coast. <laughs> so sorry
2: to, sorry in to coast. jump in there. I thought my contract said I'm the only bald fellow in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> with glasses <our> <laughs> as well. <laughs> I, I should have shaved when I was out just there. <laughs> but
1: the great, the great Atlantic Derby, we, we can just steal that now, couldn't we? Like we could just feel free to right take now it, lads. With, <laughs> no great Atlantic
2: know. Derby podcast. No, you, you weren't listening at all. <laughs> so yeah, the, the I'm just looking here at some of these numbers. about how successful the URC is being this season? Like Yeah, well, it's just it how well is stuff going?
3: I think yeah, I think we're, we're we're really pleased with now and um uh our CEO is going to be doing a bit of talking this week. He's um you know, he's going to be on the Jim Hamilton the new Jim Hamilton podcast fairly soon. Recorded that this week. Uh we've got a media round table tomorrow. Um and internally and externally, we've got some really healthy business metrics to chat about. So the viewership is 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 up really high. So last year we'd 34.6 million tuned into the to what we call URC one. Um at by the end of round 16 this year, we were we were back on track with last year's numbers having started slowly. It's continually uh, gone right up. So we expect to beat that number. Um uh, and if we wow. get a hemisphere round final. We'll probably get fairly explosive numbers for the, uh, for the grand final compared to last year as well. The attendances, people are coming back to stadiums. And I think this is twofold, you know, post pandemic, people are finally confident to, to buy tickets to know that events will go ahead. People are comfortable to be in stadiums and, and have the crack again. Um, and I think our clubs are starting as well to, to do a lot more with their match days. You know, um, we do a lot of things behind the scenes to kind of allow the clubs. Um, get a barometer for where they're at. So we've sent in fan experience company to go in and kind of do secret shopper stuff. And they do a review on all the club's match dates. And it's not to say this is what you're not doing. It's just saying, look, this is where you can improve. And then the the secret shoppers go back, you know, a few months later. And and then you see the scores have ticked up. And it's very interesting because even little things like, you know, uh, having greeters around the stadium to make people feel welcome as they walk in and then telling them thanks when they leave. Some of our clubs start doing that, and it makes a big difference. And and then the other thing that's is, is skyrocketing is, is social media. And I, I think um, probably in no small part to the flavor the South African fans have added to the <laughs> conversations. <Liver. laughs> um, and I, I see I see them in the. Uh, I think there's a URC banter page on Facebook with about 15,000 people on it, and that's always got some uh, some lively conversations happening on it as well. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's everything that we can measure is going upwards. Um, so, you know, we're not necessarily where we want to be, but we're, geez, we're, we're delighted where things have gone in the first sort of 18 months to two years, you know.
1: Looking at those uh, secret shoppers, is there space for three more or... Um... Is that already a set in stone contract? Because if you Did, are do, you looking, know any
3: do you know anybody who'd like to visit uh, Parma in in sort of early May and maybe anyone who'd like to go down to Cape Town in December? I'm sure we could find. I could figure someone out for
1: you. Um, would you? But, yeah, but looking at the the competition that's over the last two years, right? Like, I mean, back when it was the Pro Fourteen, etc., there was always this expectation of. Now I know Leinster were top of the table this season in the regular season as well. Like, but there was this expectation of. You know, when a new competition came in, there was already people saying, oh, well, Leinster are going to win this anyway, regardless of the competition. Suddenly they're out in the semifinal. You look at this year's quarterfinals, you know, Ulster finished second against Connacht and suddenly Connacht beat them. I mean, as a neutral, let's say, as just as a product, let's say, or being in charge and, and of And we're, we're all neutrals on this podcast as well. We're very, very neutral. Very right? professionally neutral.
2: Um, we
1: never use the word we or anything <laughs> like that. But <laughs> when you're watching it, let's say, from a neutral perspective, because let's say from a business perspective, how good is it suddenly that these knockouts are happening? Like, how good is it that suddenly that narrative of, oh, well, Leinster is going to win this anyway, suddenly that spun in its head and you're like, oh, well, next year is going to be no joke, if, yeah. if that makes sense.
3: Yeah, yeah, completely. So, you know, and it, the, the first season as well had a had a really interesting sort of t- twist to it. And that The South Africans came in, lots of hype. And then they really, you know, didn't perform early on for, for for various reasons. And then we get the COVID interruption that ends up stacking all these home games to the end of the season for the South Africans. And all of a sudden they make up all the ground. Um, and then coming for the likes of Leinster coming up against a Jake White and a Bulls team with a decent amount of talent in a knockout stages. Um, you know, that's, that's a recipe for, for, for getting, for getting upset. And we saw that happen um and I, that's why i think the quarterfinals and having a full playoffs now is a great addition because no matter what your assumptions will be after a regular season you'll have teams that will get into the playoffs who may be missing some players during the season may have slipped up on a tour you know may have not got the right results but actually with a full team and the right plan in a in a quarterfinal or a semifinal can cause an upset Connacht had a great plan on the weekend. Munster had a great plan on the weekend. Bulls last year had a great plan. And um the the one thing I'd be looking at next year, you know, I think everyone's fairly disappointed with them in the first year or two. John Plumtree is going to come into the Sharks and he is going to make a very big difference there because um I think there's very, very talented teams in this competition, but the ones who are the best are the ones who've got the the, the coaching intellect. And um, I, I just think the likes of Plumtree and, and, you know, we could go back to Leinster with, uh, Jax Nienabar coming in to, uh, to replace, uh, Lancaster. But, but time and again, you know, if you haven't got millions of euro or pounds or rand to spend on players, spend it in the coaching box because it pays dividends, you know? So, um, yeah, it's great to see. And, and look, you know, for years we never had an away win in this, in this competition, in the semi finals. Um, and then Scarlet's went and beat Leinster in the RDS. Uh this weekend we we've just had two away wins in quarterfinals and nobody's kind of saying, Hey, look at this. Last year we did an away win with, with the Bulls. So, you know, winning away from home now in the knockouts isn't what it used to be. It's it's not like impossible. So
0: And in terms of the the sort of the the playoffs for you, Adam, what are the challenges for doing that in such a, a short turnaround <laughs> and things like that? And is there any plans for something like a destination final for the URC?
3: Yeah, destination finals were great. You knew where you were going <laughs> at the end of the year. You could plan things out with broadcasters, fan experience, you know, all the fun stuff you wanted to do. You'd recce the, the, you'd recce the, the stadium about a million times. And um, yeah, there's, this, there's a huge amount of logistical comfort knowing where you're going. and And even things like for our broadcasters, you know, like to kind of not know... For definite that you're going to be spending big bucks on a on a host production until two weeks from the final. And next year it'll be back to one week because the, the, the season will will be impacted by the, the late start after Rugby World Cup and everything. Um, you know, we'll go round 18, quarterfinals, semifinals, final. Um, we'll be feeling the pressure next year for certain. Um, I think the biggest logistical issues we have are trying to get the team travel right um now luckily enough i think this year we we're, we're much be- in a much better position you have standby flights ready and also um you know what we've got now is the airline industry is stabilizing post covid which is great and capacity on routes and the biggest problem we've had and you'll have read plenty of stories about team travel up and down and sometimes teams splitting their group into 3 or into 2 and various things like that um You know if there's only so much capacity on certain routes then there's only so much business class seats available and all the rest of it so that's why you've got to split things up but thankfully um you know through a new you know um, i think with qatar airways you know we it's very much a commercial arrangement but i think next year we'll see the fruits of they'll be able to assist from a logistical point of view for teams that want to travel with them Um, they'll have more capacity to get places and get places more directly but also they give us the insight on what's happening with the airline industry. And we know the prices will come down uh, routes will expand. So doing things like this around playoffs makes teams much easier to get from A to B. And once you do that, like, you know, you've had a whole season of of our clubs running brilliant events, running great game days, uh, and they just get to do it with more toys and more spotlight, you know.
0: And then you, you mentioned it there in, in terms of impact for for next season. How is the,
3: the league likely to be impacted by the Rugby World Cup? Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, we kind of have a, we have a lot of conversations with the clubs, you know, starting maybe 18 months ago even, about how to approach it because, you know, you have the the EPCR and Six Nations dates kind of fill into the calendar and then you've got to see what's left for the leagues. Um, and the question really was, do you start early, take a break and, and, and then get back at it? and um, you know a lot of clubs are probably going to go 6 months match day to match day with no rugby um and that was a really big consideration and we looked at trying to you know facilitate a cup competition you know during the world cup and things like that uh, ultimately where we're landing at is we're going to start on the weekend of the the world cup semi-finals so only two matches to kind of clash with um you know I won't make any presumptions about which teams will or will not be in the semi-finals and you know, which players will already be having their post World Cup breaks? Um, I think on an Irish podcast, that'd be a very brave remark to make. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, so, so what you'll see then is because there's no November internationals, club rugby is just going to run straight through. Um, you know, we'll, I think Premier rugby are starting maybe a week before us. Uh, so club rugby will run straight through until the Six Nations starts. So it's going to be a bit of a marathon slog, you know, and then players will come back in after probably, I'd say, four rounds, you know, depends on how early some teams get knocked out. Some players may reappear earlier than that. Um, and then, what after- what,
2: what, what, what time is the quarterfinal again? Just <laughs> <This> we <will be, laughs> have a rough idea. <laughs> when is that?
3: <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, and then we'll go into, um, I think post six nations, you'll get two rounds of, of URC, two rounds of EPC or two rounds of URC. Um, so yeah, so you know, if if you're if you're feeling that like you're missing club rugby this summer, uh, you know, you'll have you'll be stuffed to the gills of it by the time you get round to next April and May, you know. So which is which is good. But I think more than anything, you know, you need to get that run of games, which is really important. I think since the URC has started, we've we've had seven games in a row the last two seasons to kick off. That's made a major difference. Rather than having five games or even six, seven games, you know, you're nearly a third of the way through the season then. Um, and, you know, people are really able to kind of set themselves up, say, right, that's our big block. What do we got to do leading up to Christmas? What do we got to do post Six Nations? So. Look at oh,
1: sorry, go on. Do you want to go, to
2: No, I just want to ask you just how important, because we we've were we been talking on this podcast a fair bit about the sort of the URC mosh pit that was happening between third and like maybe twelfth over the last couple of yeah. months. How important is that kind of storyline where teams are jumping over each other in you know looking for a final position coming up to the last week how important is that to the league overall i suppose to sell the idea of the league itself
3: it's massive because what that does what happens on the pitch and how the league table fluctuates from week to week and how teams move up and down that does more marketing and does more for the authenticity of, of the tournament and the league. Uh, than anything else can you know we can do all the great hype videos and stats and, and do great great content well unless people truly believe that there's jeopardy all the time and that this is a must win most of the time so you know we were going into round 16 this year and I think more than 50% of the games were direct clashes between teams who were vying to get seeding in the top eight or trying to get into the top eight and then you had a in the other games, you had people who just needed to win to try and get up the table. Never mind, take points off somebody else, you know, the old football six pointer sense. Um, and I think what we've seen now is the format reducing to 18 rounds has actually in, in my eyes so far, it's taken the conversation away from what players are playing to, Oh God, we need to win this week. And funnily enough, we've seen that reflected in a lot of the metrics. So we talk about attendances and TV audience, in rounds where we would expect a dip normally, say pre-Six Nations, we're really, really reluctant to play pre-Six Nations in that week because players get called up to camp. Um, and we did that. We didn't want to do it this year. Um, But because of all of the unions kind of requesting the season finished earlier so the pre-World Cup camps could start, we had to use that weekend. That had stellar audiences uh, really? for and it had a really strong attendance and we probably weren't expecting that. And what you see is what's happening is people just know that their team needs to win because when you got to the round 13, you realize we've only got six games left and these are six really important games. So I think slowly that, it, that will start to feed into the psyche everywhere. But I just think if you take every weekend in isolation, you know, no matter who you support it, you weren't like, oh, we can afford to lose this or, you know, oh, you know we have to win this. So, um, so yeah, it's been good. And I think that's, that's been the key to the, the new format is having those 18 games, you know.
1: It's it's funny you put it that way because I was in Limerick a few weeks ago and my father wouldn't be interested in rugby at all. But he always, anytime I'm watching a game, he'll always ask, is this an important game? And I was in Limerick a few weeks ago. I can't remember what game was on TV, but, you know, you'd one eye on it. And he said, is this an important game? And I, it wasn't a monster game. I remember that much. And I said, it is because if they win, this happens. But if they win and the other crowd win, then this happens, et cetera, et cetera. And that's all good for Munster. And he was just like, how do you, you know, how do you follow all this? And I was like, well, to be honest with you, in previous years, probably, you know, three, four five years ago, if you said, is this an important game? You'd be like, oh, well, it's like that. You know, it's not the biggest yeah. game in the world. It's it's not do or die. like. But suddenly you're watching, not even your own team. You're watching, I don't know, you're you're watching just other teams play out, hoping, So, like, I mean, there a couple of weeks ago, you had Connacht fans hoping for a Glasgow win or hoping for, A stormers win and it's nothing personal, like it's just strictly business like but looking at I suppose the top eight and qualifying for the top eight in that race with the Shield system the last couple of years, that's probably gone now next year. Am I right in saying? Yes. So I mean, do you feel like that takes that or do you feel that adds an extra bit of competition into finishing for the top eight now that it's not really going to be a top seven competition as it was in the last two
3: years? Yeah, I think I I think for you know you know to have a true competition you know it has got to be the top eight you know um we want we want meritocracy we we don't necessarily want um you know to have you know it would be great to say look we want everyone to be represented in in the champions cup and you know look funny thing is you know cardiff are getting into the champions cup yes they didn't finish in the top eight um they finished they finished 10th and the Sharks finished uh, Sharks finished 8th, but obviously they, they lose out to Cardiff. I mean, they both won nine games. Cardiff pumped the Sharks when they did play each other. You know, there was four points. So really what you're talking about between those two teams is, you know, a couple of bonus points here and there. So if you had a team getting in who had only won five games and the team that misses out who won 10 games, you're like, this is serious imbalance. But I still don't think that's enough to justify saying, look, it should be equally shared. Um, you know, and I'm just speaking just as a, you know, just wanting to see the best of competition, you know. Um, and I think it is very important. And it was very important, particularly when we started this, that, you know, no none of our nations felt like they were being locked out of Europe's top table. Um but I think what we'll have now, you know, the shields will remain. I think. What we probably do with the Shields is you probably just the six games you play against your Derby opponents. That's what will count for whoever wins the Shields. And which I think makes them like a true Irish, you know, champion or a true Welsh champion. You, you bested your, 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 your opponents in there. It's not who did the best over the course of the 18 league games. And in fairness, I remember speaking to Gavin Duffy at Connacht about this when we were, we were kind of talking the clubs through the new brand and, and the formats and everything like that. And he asked a very fair question. He says, well, you know, look, if if all 18 games are going to count in the Shield, um, Leinster just going win the Irish one every year. And he said, you know, because the season that they were referring to, that they were just coming off, they'd actually won the most derbies of the Interpros. So Connacht would have been the Irish champions. Um And, you know, I think when European qualification is there, it has to be all 18 games. But if it's not there, then it should just be the best of, of the local derbies. And and I think, you know, at the moment, Connacht's, Len- or Connacht, Munster, Ulster, they'd love a they'd love to celebrate the Shield and, and so would a lot of teams. Leinster are just the ones in the very fortunate position that um it's not top of their priorities. It's just uh it's just a a part of the journey to get where they want to get to, you know?
1: I think going that way with the Shields, especially in Ireland, would almost be maybe the two boys would be able to reflect more in it like, but it would be almost like the old Interpro series more than anything else. And almost like the Interpro series we see in the women's game at the moment just with half the games, obviously, but it probably would mean a lot more.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think so. And uh, like, you know, we, we're, we're balancing these two needs of, of, of URC. One is to kind of incorporate everybody and draw together across the, the different nations and celebrate that diversity. But we've also got to, you know, really champion the, um, the tribal elements. That we have which is those traditional derbies those traditional rivalries so yeah we've got those great historic rivalries we're trying to build the new ones whether that's leinster leinster bulls Munster stormers ulster stormers i mean like it's funny you can see a pattern developing here you know with the
1: stormers the irish,
3: <laughs> well the competition between the irish and the south africans and it's not just on twitter you know like we're going into a rugby world cup now which for irish and south african fans has a completely different take compared to previously, where you just would have said, well, South Africa are in our pool, that's two years away, and you wouldn't really think about South Africa until about a week beforehand. Well, now fans, coaches are all talking about this, the Irish-South African rivalry through through the club game, and, um, and I know the coaches are talking about it because I've spoken to a few of them, you know, and they're very aware of it, and the South Africans in particular think they are learning a lot because they believe that the Irish teams and the Irish national team they They play with systems, whereas the all Blacks Springboks, yes, they have a system, but they have individuals who you can't stop, and that's that's they're saying they're getting that exposure to systems and and how people want to play you know
0: and in terms of the league, then what are the sort of the or are there any future plans for the competition? There's you know lots of talk about instability in Welsh rugby and rumors around sort of eating ospreys. Is there any plans around expansion or is it looking at stability in this sort of Yeah,
3: I I, I think, you know, everyone on this podcast can, can rattle off Celtic League, Magners League, Rabo Pro Twelve, Guinness Pro Twelve. Uh the Rebel. Do you know what I mean? Like,
1: <laughs> I miss the Rainbow Cup yeah, personally. <laughs>
3: and the Rainbow Cup, yeah. i been so many guises, and you know, it finally feels like we've nailed the format. Sixteen teams, eighteen rounds, playoffs. You know, we feel we're two years in, this is already looking good. You know, all the all all the metrics around interest and jeopardy and competitiveness tell us, right, we've done that well. Now our job as a league is how do we go about trying to assist teams maybe in the second half of the table? How do we help them get better, either whether that's their businesses, whether it's different ways to help people and sort of recruitment research, anything that we can do as a league because not everybody is equally resourced, you know. In South Africa, they don't have the resources of maybe, say, Leinster or Munster in terms of the, the support and the logistics in terms of how much they can spend, which is they've got a great natural resource and the talent that they can uncover. So, you know, that's probably our job is to make the 16 component parts as equal as possible. So at the moment, I'd say 14 of those are close enough to be very competitive on their day with each other. Leinster are up on their own. They're like Ajax of the seventies, eighties and nineties, you know, in terms of they're just relentless. They produce huge amounts of talent. That's not my line, by the way. That's John O'Sullivan in the Irish Times about three or four years ago made that comparison. But, um, you know, a more competitive zebra and people getting to land a few gloves on Leinster, but you know, people are land gloves on Leinster in the knockout stages. That would be their chance, you know, the way, the way it goes. So that's probably where we're at. I don't think you'll see any expansion. And just on your point on Welsh rugby, I mean, yeah, look, if we had, you know, I think it's fair to say, you know, two of the four Welsh teams being more competitive changes the dynamic of this league again. Um, And I think we would be really keen to see what's happening in Welsh rugby. And I I don't want to speak for for too many people, but I, you know, I've had a close up view of a lot of what's happening in the background. They've hit a major, major reset button, and you know. Governance is probably the most unsexy word, uh, in sports, but their, their vote recently at the AGM about how to change their governance for the WRU is monumental. Had that not gone through, you know, you'd be really worried about just the ability to change the environment to allow the, 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 the pro teams to, to thrive. So they're resetting everything. I know there's a lot of new personnel going to come in in the union. That's from CEOs from communications. Um, you know, there's a new working agreement with the regions. It's not going to happen overnight, but they're gonna start from a they're gonna start from a, a, a good foundation and then it's gonna be about building them up as businesses, um, as as competitive entities, you know. So that's the thing. Look, Rome, Rome isn't built in a day, and just in, you know, when we deal across so many areas, I think just when one thing's going well, something else needs a bit more attention and love. But You know, I'd I'd be optimistic that if we have this conversation in three years' time, we'll probably be talking about one of the Welsh clubs being a regular in the playoffs, at least, you know.
1: Can it be very difficult, though, at the same time trying to, let's say, run the competition and organise the competition when you have stuff like this? Like, let's say, for example, what's going on in Wales, it's just so out of your control. All you can kind of do is just wait and see how it plays out and then react to it rather than anything else.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think you made a good point. There are some things that are outside of our control. Um, what I would say is our, our CEO and actually a number of us across the business, you know, we are very in tune with what's going on in, in Wales and have been for the last couple of years and, and trying to, you know, do what we can do to influence the areas um, by getting them to work together, to work with us a bit more closely. Um, but ultimately, they, it's themselves and the union. Working as one team, that's what will make the major difference. And I think, you know, people probably, you know, I think it does get said enough. In Ireland, it's, it's very lucky that, you know, not necessarily by fluke, but geographically, there was four provinces and they'd actually played rugby for 100 years. And when professional rugby came along, it was actually easy to say, lads, we, we can't go down with 16 teams. We can't turn the AIL professional, but we can t- turn these four provinces professional. That's what we can do. They didn't have that in Wales and, you know, we are 20 years later. I think they're probably at, they've probably got, you know, they're at base camp now for what should be the future of Pro Rugby in Wales, you know.
0: Well,
1: listen, we're actually going to preview next week's games now, if you're happy to stay on and give your thought predictions. Fantastic, Um, yeah. we often definitely not
3: get me into trouble. (laughs) <laughs> no no
1: not at all we often predict the winners as well but considering there's only two games next week it actually gives you a chance to pass out tom
3: yeah.
1: um if you get both right
2: he only <laughs> <got> <laughs> one not thing. allowed it's not allowed to happen uh, <laughs> we're just gonna retro well, actually <laughs> i, I, I might numbers. say I,
3: I might say in fairness to anyone who listens to the podcast, i think you've been, you've been very kind to me so far so if there's any difficult questions you haven't asked you can go for it now and um you know if my internet cuts out that that's that's purely coincidental but um
1: Everyone, um, did you copy Tom's style or did Tom copy yours?
3: I don't know. I've been uh, I've been losing my hair for quite a while, so <laughs> I've, I've,
2: I've been bald for ten years.
3: Oh Jesus! Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll have to go uh, back through the Facebook timelines,
2: Tom. What's your What's your uh, razor that you use? I use women's razors for their legs on my head, and I, feel, I oh, find and it no, works really I, well.
3: I don't. I don't. This is fantastic. Listening now. Um, I don't wet shave. I just use the the normal. The normal clippers. Um,
2: oh my god!
3: Primming my beard hair, which is very, very tight, and I've actually just started doing that instead. So it's the uh, it's tight as it gets, really. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting.
2: You really like, are, I, don't, I don't. I don't like it.
1: You really are part of the podcast <laughs> now. Like, you really, once you get to this talk, you are in. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: usually in, your
3: own. No, the only the swimming is, updates next. Is...
2: <laughs> yeah the only the only difficult thing that we'd have is that you have to pick monster when it comes to the the prediction on the the winning of the the upcoming derby for the semi-final is, is
3: that is that must watch must watch monster
2: main event monster you have to pick main, main event, event monster and yeah. that's
3: about
1: it and even yeah. if you don't like you've just said main main event monster there so, so we can just slice it in. That <laughs> and just just put it right in so i mean <laughs> you can you can just say monster and save us a bit of work or you can you know you can Give us an extra five seconds, bit of work. Like It's really up to you, but it makes no odds, ultimately. Um, uh, no bias on this
3: podcast at all.
1: No, not at all. The main no thing way. you do is... Uh, Absolutely don't, not. Sorry. Just, just don't, don't, upset, uh, no way. Don't, don't upset Owen. That's another big key to getting on with this <laughs> podcast. So, Owen, do you want to take it away there?
0: Yeah, we'll start with the Stormers against Connacht at uh, 3 p.m. Saturday. Um, Stormers beat the Bulls 33-21. Connacht obviously came through um, against Ulster in a way win um, down in South Africa on a very dodgy pitch in Cape Town. Uh, all 23 from Connacht, despite the uh, graphic injury that we spoke about from Mack Hansen or, um, earlier on in the podcast, are available uh, after the Ulster game. Who are we picking on this, Jeff? Why is it always
1: me first? Can Adam not go first for this one? Okay, we'll
3: give it to Adam first. Who are you, who are you going Oh, God, this well, is a, this is going to take me a long time to answer. Um, I think it's going to be a much tighter game um, than people might think on paper. Um, I, I will give the nod to the Stormers just because I expect them to have 40,000-plus in the stadium again, I think.
2: Wow, that's a big number. Actually,
3: They've they've sold, the last time I saw ticket update today, they were on 33,000, and we're on Wednesday. Um so and shameless shameless attendance plug but they they set a new record last weekend for a non-final game in the playoffs um and incidentally leinster Munster will set one for the irish market as well this weekend um it won't be as big as cape town i don't think but yeah that, that look that crowd in cape town will do something there's a connection there with the fans and the team they they've got this thing john dobson called it make cape town smile and um you know, it's, it's kind of organic, but the, they're rallying behind them. The one thing though, I look at Connacht and I say, first of all, turning up with a full squad of fit players, that is some achievement to the people working at the club to get all those guys there. Um, and I, I just think they were so shrewd against Ulster. Um, I think the pitch might be a little bit of a leveler. Um, Andy Friend will know. Like Stormers Stormers have power in the pack, absolutely. You've got Kitsov and Franz Malherb and some of these guys running at you. I'm not going to say they're a lightweight South African team, but they're not they're not the Bulls. And I think Connacht will fancy that if this gets into a shootout, that they will have the the weapons to to, to keep pace. Um and the one thing Dion Fury is on the injury list for Stormers. And I think he was the reason behind some of their slip-ups. Um I think he wasn't on the pitch against Munster. Um, and he he makes a massive difference to their to their poaching and to the work of the breakdown. So I will give the the tip to the Stormers to reach the final. But I think Connacht are going to make them sweat, and I, I think there'll be less than a less than seven in it at the at the whistle.
0: I'm I'm going to follow you. I'm going to go Stormers. I think Connacht will have to come out and play a similar game plan that they had against Ulster. I think they're going to have to meet the Stormers on the game line physically um in terms of the collisions i think they're going to need to win the breakdown battle as well and i think they're probably if they want to get in with a, a chance of winning this their their attack is going to have to click that little bit more for for this game Um, i think the it could be a little bit ugly as i think both teams like to kick the ball a lot um and i think you, you could see a lot of kicking tennis come into it but i think overall the stormers the travel involved for for connacht as well i think If Storm is the edge, I'm going to go with them by about seven to eight points.
1: As you all know, I love tipping Connacht in South Africa. Absolutely. Yeah, that
2: was fantastic work earlier in the season, actually. Yeah,
1: just giving you a chance, you know, to catch up. But (laughs) I think this could be the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, yeah, I think Connacht are going to kick the synthetic letter off the ball. I think they might struggle physically a little bit. And while Logic says to me that the team that's more physical and just gets that that edge physically will win, I don't know. I think Connacht will just kind of say to themselves that was a big win against Ulster. Like, essentially, I'm not saying they've nothing to lose because it's the semi-final of URC and they won't be thinking that way. But just throw caution to the win to play the game they can play. I'm going to go for Connacht.
2: I was actually going to go, to, go for Connacht as well. Yes, Tom! <laughs> because I figure, like you look at where the Stormers, where they've had a few issues in the lineout. Connacht's contesting in the lineout yeah, has been outstanding this year. Murray will be all so, over that. Yeah, so I'm looking at that. I'm looking at they'll need to get a few referee decisions. Easier said than done. But I think that they have a game that can push the Stormers very, very close. And if they can get, make you know make it sticky at the lineout, get a few decisions at the breakdown. I think this will go high scoring and very very close. I think Connacht could edge it. Big win for Connacht. I'm going to go with a one point win for Connacht.
3: I, I'm going to point out, Tom, that I think your bias is running into this because you, you you you've worked this out that if Connacht win, and obviously you're going to tip Munster, then you'll have a URC grand final in Park, and I think that might be just bleeding into your thinking.
2: You think I might get some free tickets for that game?
3: <laughs> I hope so. It's like the father Ted scene. We're, we're still good for the discount, huh? We're still good.
1: Well, <laughs> like, it's big for for Tom to pick connick because Tom does not like connick.
2: I hate connick. I hate the province of connick, the actual geographic province of him. Just like, why is that? What's that doing over there? So, yeah, so it's, and, me, and the enemy, and the enemy. Yeah. So I'm looking at him, just thinking. I just think they've got. A, just the right mix of game styles that they could upset the Stormers because um, I think we've seen the Stormers being a bit on and off this year um. No big home crowd they'll be up for it obviously but I just think Connacht have I just with their, their line out in particular I think it's a big deal um, for this Stormers team so yeah. the,
3: w- the one word of caution I would give to Connacht fans though is they are unlikely to play a team with as many game breakers as stormers, and I mean, like you know, Hachiva Damani is like he is a sensation in the back row. Even Rus has had a few injuries and has been a bit quiet. If he has a game, you know, you're in trouble. Um, you <laughs> like Hershel Yanshi's, uh, Manny Libok, depending on what day of the week it is, can come up and he can absolutely run the show. Um, and then for me, one of the one of the best players in the league is Damien Vilmsa, and he yeah uh, quality. I don't think I I I watched I was in the RDS for that that draw um, with Storm was in Leinster and in what were absolutely atrocious conditions and with a team that he was in that was on the back foot at various points um, you know he was so cool he was doing a lot of the work that maybe should have been done at 10 um, you know he tackles he's strong he carries well he passes well he's got some electricity to him um, yeah, I mean if I don't know, if Bundiaki can keep tabs on him, um, Connacht maybe keep it tight. But yeah, geez, they've 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 got uh what the kids say, they've got ballers.
0: Okay, that's two for two for Stormers, uh two for Connick on that one. Uh move on then to main event Munster, uh half five Saturday afternoon. Um Leinster against Munster in the Aviva. I think the the big questions around this is what what are the two sides that are going to be put out? Um Munster obviously suffering so many injuries against Glasgow um without the HIAs around Snyman, um Murray out um, and, Iketo Iketo and Nash. 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 And then there's injury concerns over Omani and Barron. And uh, yeah, with Barron as well. There something
1: something tells me as long as Omani has one arm, he's playing in this game.
2: He's been cutting his lawn on Instagram. I so. saw that, and he
1: had a little strap on it. Like, yeah,
2: I was actually looking
1: at the grass more than him. But uh, <laughs> I was like, I did yeah, was just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: I'm looking at the the elbows. It's like, could I use a lawnmower if my elbow was off? Hmm. Mm. Actually, we we'll ask Jeff. You're a grass expert, Jeff. Is that possible? <laughs> Depends on the
1: more, but he has a big more. So I'm going to say yes. Um, but I I think he will be playing. To be honest with you, I think they'd give him every chance and. I mean, it's a semi-final against Leinster. Like, if you can play in that, you're playing in
0: that. And especially if you're Peter O'Mahony. Do you think Munster tried to go with the same pack build that they did against Glasgow? Do they go with Byrne at six and try to go heavy? I think so. I so. Yeah, I think so. It works so well. Like, it works so, so incredibly well. So who comes in then instead of Snyman? Is it
3: Richard Hearn,
0: Wittcherley?
1: I said start Arf Finne, Finne, yeah.
2: A dog um, on the bench. So, uh, who's winning
3: this? I have to figure out my. Not, I don't have biases. You see, what I what I love is I love upsets. I love surprises. It's great. You've
1: come to the right place, my man.
3: Right? So, So, surprise <laughs> is good for the competition. A surprise, um, but a surprise may send me down to Cape Town, which my wife would really not be impressed with, considering we have a three month old and a five year old in the house. Well, she is prepared for bad news should that happen. Um, I think it's. I think Oman, I think if Omani's not in the team, it's. It's that's a really tough one for for Munster, um, because I think it's not just what he does as a leader. It's not just what he's like in defence and all the rest. You know, if you can, de- no matter how good a team is, if you can derail a set piece, it's it's an instant leveler. Peter O'Mani can single-handedly take other teams' lineouts apart. Um, You know, and I think I I spoke to somebody at Leinster last week and they said picking the team for Sharks wasn't going to be the challenge. It was picking the team for a semi-final because they are equally worried about Munster or Glasgow and they're equally concerned about playing La Rochelle in a week's time. Um, Now, I think I look, I think we all know like Leinster can pick certain teams and just guys go in, they just do the same job. Um. Very, he good, is
2: cutting the grass. Look. Good picture of peace. Putting weight on, yeah, putting weight on that elbow. It was good
3: yeah, of Tom to, to s-
1: interrupt our guest to show a grainy photo on his phone of the lad's <laughs> elbow cutting the grass.
3: <laughs> has it, I, I presume that's, uh, I, I presume he has the uh the sleeve on there keeping him.
2: He does, yeah. Just, get, just so the yet. grass doesn't get in. <laughs> yeah,
3: there you go. Um So, look, I, you know, it's, it's very hard. Look in, in semifinals, it's very hard to look past home teams. Um, I would, I would have put this fifty-fifty if it wasn't for those injuries. Because I think fekitoa has found something in the, the last four or five games. fekitoa has looked like the All Blacks. You know, that's the guy who Munster signed. You know, compared to you know, I, I think he's you know he's just been very impactful. I thought he was superb in defence in the weekend. He was superb on the ball, and he has been for the last couple of weeks. Um, and, and Snyman, you know, geez, that's just, it's just a heartbreaker. If you're a monster fan, um, it was a heartbreaker for anyone seeing excited about watching that guy play rugby. Um, and they're difference makers. You know, I mentioned about the Stormers, they've got difference makers everywhere. Um, so yeah, but look, you know, if Omani plays, if you can rattle Leinster early in a few areas of the game, if you can find some way, and people very rarely do, if you can find some way to disrupt their breakdown. Slow them down just a little bit, then you can keep, keep, keep the game even. And I think if I was a Munster fan, I'd look at the first 40 minutes of the game in Aviva earlier on in the season. Um, I think Munster went in with the lead. Um, very competitive. I know Leinster were a bit wasteful. Um, but I, th- I think there'll be opportunities there. They're going to have to take every single one that they get. Um, and with that, I will probably just tip it to Leinster.
1: Okay, he's
3: not getting an invite back. That's uh, That's, that's that's his last appearance on this podcast. He's such a shared grimace.
2: That's not what we agreed at all.
3: (laughs) No, (laughs) Sorry. I'm sorry. My wife will kill me if we end up in Cape Town. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, look, that's fair enough.
0: I think for for me, I'd be going, um, I think Munster have to keep 15 on the pitch. We've talked about it the last couple of weeks. As soon as... Leinster see the opposition going down to 14 they're piling on points and Munster can't afford to let that happen in this game they can't afford to give away 14 21 points in in 10 minutes so I think that's that's got to be a priority for them I think although we talked about the pack I think Munster's biggest headache selection is going to be in the backs they have to find a, a partner for uh Frisch in the center and with Nash gone they're struggling to find fit bodies almost in in the back line to, f- to fill some of those positions. Um Do you think Crowley goes to 12? Yeah, probably. Possibly. Uh, um, and it's a, a, it's a, it seems to be either that or Scannell has been in around around, uh, Rory Scannell's been in around the squad the last while.
2: I mean, Scannell um, started the game in, in the Aviva earlier in the season. So yeah. maybe, but, but I'd be surprised. Crowley the other was one is who, who do you more. put on the wing. Yeah. There's a talk of Pat Campbell. You put, His I, think, I think it's
0: fact. either, I think you put, you've seen him in, tra- in the trading picks. You put either yeah. Pat Campbell on the wing or you move Haley to the wing and try and put one of the, one of the out halves. I'd be very fullback. surprised
2: to see Haley move to the wing. Just, I'd be surprised. I think they'd put Campbell in first. It'd be like that. Onto the, onto, the onto the wing. We
1: talked about, you know, you don't move your best 15 to supplement someone mm-hmm.
0: else. you know that kind of way? So I think they're, they're the options. I'm. I think Leinster will come along. They have, as we've talked about, they have their system that despite the, the sort of the who fits into what spot, the system continues to go um, and continues to work quite well. We've talked about it. They still do need, I think, a sort of three to four of their game changers still in there, whether that's Porter, whether it's Ryan, Van der Fleer, Doris, et cetera. They still need a core of that, I think, to get them over the line, even against this sort of Munster team. Um, but the the Champions Cup has to be the priority for them. I think Munster can keep this close for maybe 50, 60 minutes, but I, I see Leinster um, breaking away and probably taking it in the last 10, 15 minutes.
2: i go for Munster in this one. No um, there, it is. <laughs> uh i don't know i just i would really like them to do that so that's kind of where i'm at with it so that's it that's my logic <laughs> i'm yeah. going purely on vibes here i going on vibes here yeah no I I, I I i would um i would like that i just think if leinster rotate a little bit too deep um i think monster can catch him if leinster have an off day depending on their focus depending on you know, where their, I suppose their priorities lie realistically, cause you know, everybody goes on about, oh, like every game's important, but I think if they risk one or two of their game breakers that they have, because they want to keep them for next week, obviously, like, you know, a fair enough logical decision to make, I think monster could catch him with a few decisions going our way, um, or, or monster's way, of course, I mean, um, so yeah, no, I think, I'm going to go with monster just because I would really like it that happen.
3: No, but, right. If I if I look back, there's been it's probably been three. It's been two semifinals in the last pre. There's two semifinals pre COVID. Um, there was a COVID the final. final. So there's a COVID semifinals. Was, they mm-hmm. they they kind of played each other at this stage of the competition four times in the last sort of six seven years during Lancaster's time there. Um. And I've seen them deploy different tactics and it just made me think when you guys were talking about, you know, Crowley moving to, to 10. Um, you know, I think one of the games they they tried to play Carberry and Blayndal at 10, 12, you know, to have that double jointed kicking option or Carberry coming in at 15 and they were kind of swapping around to just kind of always be sort of pinning Leinster back. Which tactics, what tactics do you want to see Munster try and employ? Like, what do you think keeps Leinster playing and gives them a chance? Because we've seen Munster try and do it Couple of different ways, albeit Van Graan probably did it the same way. Um But they have tried one or two different things. What What do you reckon works for them though? Who wants I think to I think it?
2: Leinster. I think well we're going to kick the shit out of their pack first. Kick of all. the shit out of the. Front but point. I think if Leinster kick. kicked the ball long to Munster, I think over the last couple of years Leinster haven't really rated Munster's attack at all, and they've been very comfortable in kicking long and defending, you know, in depth, knowing that Munster weren't able to generate line breaks. I would be. I would wonder what their rating of Munster's attack is now, whether they feel that the injuries have taken away some you know, physical game breakers for us. But I think if Munster can hurt Leinster on transition with the way that Munster have been holding onto the ball this season, there's a possibility there to hurt them on multi-phase. But will Leinster adjust? And again, if they'd go too deep into their roster, how much can they adjust? That would be my question and i think if the you know if, if monster set piece can hold defensively as well on the line out the counter jumping would be very important um because leinster they have a couple of key areas where they're very good their transition defense their you know their immediate transition you know on the first and second phase after transition but their line out their line out driving and their their strike plays i think monster would have to compete really heavily at the line out to have a chance here and if they can get you know lens pull leinster down to do you know maybe 70, 75% completion at the line out? There's lots of things that have to go right. And I think that's that's one of them. I think the
1: thing for Munster is everything needs to go right for them. Whereas for Leinster, 70, 80% of the game just needs to come off. You're like we we you mentioned the injuries. Like I think Feketeau has gone from someone who at the start of the season you could probably say, Oh, well listen, we'll get someone else in to suddenly probably being one of the first names down there, like to be fair, the way he's been playing the last couple of months. Snyman, if you want to kick the shit out of the front five of Leinster, there was probably no better man. Um, but listen, it is what it is like. Logic for me dictates that Leinster would probably win the game and probably will win the game. But, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. I said logic. I also picked Connacht in South Africa. Um, so logic for me dictates that what, Leinster what, what, will what win the game. What do your vibes game. feel? But my vibes feel like they did last week when I said it just feels like one of those days, you know, it feels like it could just be one of those days. And it was. So I'm hoping this weekend can also be one of those days. And I'm go- like the other side of the coin is well, like we, we we've talked about Leinster kind of getting ready for a, a final in Europe as well. Like Munster really can just throw the kitchen sink here, have a week off, recover, et cetera. And they're playing a home final. Um. Am I right in saying that? No, that's if Connacht win. sorry. Yeah. Um but like they can just throw the kitchen sink at it and say, listen, we'll recover for a week and we'll go again. It's like it has the potential to be the last game of the season for Munster. And I think that puts a very different spin on the week. Like if Leinster lose, they still have a Champions Cup final, they still have a chance of celebrating something. Whereas if Munster lose, well, that's it. Like you're saying goodbye to a lot of guys, you're just finishing the season like it's it adds a different spin to it but while logic says and all the statistics and the depth and you know everything like that says that leinster will probably win this game just could be one of those days so i'm going for a munster win
0: for me i think it comes down to the the breakdown <laughs> munster don't have the heavy carry carriers i think that they need they're losing the likes of simon and that in it i think yeah if if they want to win, they have to kick the shit out of Leinster at the, at the breakdown. They have to get that quick ruck ball. Then they can get to the edge and actually put pressure on Leinster and, and their defensive system, because I think that's that's where Leinster can be called, is out wide. Um, but I'm not sure they have the rotations that they need in that. So um, that's why I'm, I'm sticking with that. So look, we'll round it up there, folks. Thank you very much for listening to our ramblings and for supporting the podcast. Please do rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you listen as it really helps. And also be sure to share the podcast on social media. Big thank you to Adam for joining us. And if you want him to stay on instead of Tom, because we only have a quota for one bald person on the podcast each week, you know, please get into us on social media and make sure that you, you vote for Adam on that. Hope you have a good week and at least three of us will be back next week to chat again.
1: And a big thank you as well to Adam in advance, if uh, Stormers win that semifinal, he's promised us flights to South Africa and match tickets. So, listen, massive thanks for that. Um, oh, match
3: tickets, no problem. Not a problem. Best seats in the house.
1: And I forgot to mention as well, uh, the ticket competition winner for this week. Oh, and you're meant to be running this show, man. Uh, the tickets competition, I went out of my head completely. The tickets go to Kieran O'Donoghue. So, we'll be in touch about getting you those tickets to the semi-final this weekend too.
3: And actually, lads, if you want, um, if we've a if we've a final played on the on in Limerick or Dublin, uh, happy to give you a pair of tickets as well for, for listeners for a competition uh, ahead of that. Very kind. Thank you very much. Very kind, Adam. Thank you very much, Adam. Hope everyone has a good week. and Chat
0: again.